Jesse live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Robert Sala, the very respected 49ers defensive coordinator, he's got that meeting with the Jaguars tomorrow again, as of now, still on. Also scheduled to meet with the Los Angeles Chargers for their head coach opening. Two really good jobs, two obviously potential landing spots for Robert Sala. He has also met already with the Detroit Lions uh, and the Jets also uh, on his list of requests and on his card as well. Sala still as hot a candidate as he was Last year, really nothing has changed despite the 49ers' record. We'll see if he ends up landing a job, but obviously very much in demand. That is Ian Rappaport, the latest on Robert Sala, who is set to interview with the Jaguars tomorrow and obviously on a lot of people's lists. And you would think Detroit would make a real push for Sala. You know, it's interesting, Austin. As we welcome everybody back, final hour of the week, and it's been a real fun weekend. Stay tuned, by the way, on social media, uh, on ESPN690.com, on ActionNewsJacks.com, and, of course, we'll be all over TV all weekend long on uh, Action Sports Jacks Primetime, 1030 on Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47. The half-hour shows do not stop on TV, even though the Jags season is over, which means we get to talk a lot more about the coaching and Trevor Lawrence and the rest. I haven't even mentioned Trevor Lawrence much here on a Friday, but... We, we really believe, or at least the, the, the thought process is Detroit, because of the Michigan ties and uh, everything else, really want Robert Sala. So I guess to the same point of, hey, if you want your guy, just go give it to your guy. Why isn't Detroit maybe saying, okay, Robert Sala, you're the guy. Here it is. Here's the offer. Boom, 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 boom. Now, they might have. And maybe he's mulling it over and says, I want to take the rest to, and see what else is out there and, and compare them. Um, and again, a lot of this doesn't get played out in the media, so I think that's worth bringing up. I think there's a lot more stuff that happens behind the scenes. <laughs> we don't, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter don't know everything mm-hmm. <laughs> and share it with us, but, uh, it's one of those, don't you get the sense after reading everything and, and there's a buzz that Detroit would really like Sala? Uh, I, I don't know if there's somebody. I know they've uh, interviewed Marvin Lewis and some others, but it seems like Sala is on the top of their list, just like a good fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Detroit's definitely um, there's a lot of hype around the, the Sala movement. It's crazy because like Detroit seems right now, and listen, I've shared before, like you know they're asking for former players if I've played for them for four yeah. weeks. They're still asking for um, players' input, but I feel like Detroit right now, and I know it's just a rumor. But the whole, like, was it, it's John Schneider out of uh, Seattle, the GM yep. there, like, saying, like, they're interested in, in getting him there, which, well, let's be honest, makes zero sense because he's under contract with the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are a lot better team right now. But it goes to show you, like, the Lions are in desperation mode. And if they were somehow to figure out, like, a contract or whatever the case may be to somehow coax Schneider away from Seattle, that would be a, a big-time move, right, from obviously a, a desperate move. So... I think Robert Sala, the only thing I'm going to say about him going to the Lions, it makes too much sense to me. So I feel like if you have a team that's in desperation mode, there might be an ace in the hole where they go after somebody else. Maybe, I mean, not to say Sala's not a big name because he's a huge name, but I'm saying I think like a B enemy is obviously a bigger name than Sala is. I just wonder if there's more to it than, you know, the perfect matchup of Sala going to Detroit. Uh, what do you think transpired today with Urban Meyer and the Jags? Uh, and the reason I ask that, and I know we don't know. We know they met, um, and and that's obviously widely reported now. 
but I guess what I'm asking you is, in your gut, the way you're reading this, the way there's been interest and seemingly interest maybe even for a while, last few weeks, heck, I could even tell you that some people have said there's been some poking around and interest since last December uh, about Urban Meyer. And uh, who knows where it all started. Um, I don't think we'll ever really know because I think the process will always be, hey, yeah, we fired Doug Marone on Monday and then we started you know, making contact with everybody. But I think we can't all be fooled by that because the Urban Meyer name was pretty hot around here uh, last weekend and even prior to that the, the reports were already out there that they were going to make a run at him. So, okay, they're meeting. Okay, he's on their radar. He might be number one on their list. But what kind of things get discussed today, do you think, between Shad Khan, Tony Khan, Urban Meyer, whoever else is in that room, whoever's on the kismet in South Florida, <laughs> yeah. if that's where it's at? Uh, what do you think is is what do you think of those conversations? Maybe versus what you might think about other conversations with candidates. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, obviously, Urban Meyer is saying I've been listening to a lot of ESPN 690. Those guys are great. You should probably give them a, <laughs> some kind of bump or something like that. I, I don't know if that's really legal, but obviously, he's giving us shout-outs like you wouldn't believe because we have that information, right? That information has been presented to us, so we know he's a fan of the show. Yeah, now, true. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, and hey, and that's not a rumor. That's a spoiler. Anyways. What they're talking about, like, if what you say, well, at least if what you hear is halfway true, Brent, and he's been interested for a while, right? Well, then you can assume that he's already kind of putting together the staff that he wants. Or he's, he's already he's just kind of scouting, let's just say, right? So if I'm Tony Connor, I'm Shad Khan, I'm sitting on the Kismet or whatever, like, I'm not so concerned with, you know, who are you bringing? What, what is the plan from that standpoint? Because... You know, Urban's a lot more detailed already because he has been planning for that. I don't think Shad Khan and Tony Khan have been planning for that, and that's okay. But what I think questions that should be asked at this meeting is, well, number one, how do you plan on turning this thing around, right? And what are your goals and what is the time frame to turn this around? Um, I think those are two important questions because I understand right now if you're Shad Khan, you pervade the fact that you're a patient man. You're a patient man in terms of rebuilding. You're, and you're a patient man in terms of having successful seasons. I get that. But if I'm also the owner and I'm the billionaire of this team, I don't want to come across as weak and say, you know, yeah, maybe three or four years. No, I mean, like, there there has to be a sense of urgency right now that you're tearing this thing down, you're building this thing back up, but it has to, and I'm not going to say it's going to be a quick fix because it's going to take time, but there's got to be a sense of urgency uh, of the priority of winning, let's just say. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I can tell you, I, I pretty much, I, I'm a big believer that Shad Khan believes in a plan. And I think Shad Khan, the reason why Mike Malarkey and Gene Smith didn't make it past year one is they were basically to- telling Shad Khan, uh, I don't know who told who or whatever, but the plan was, hey, we think we can make a run at the playoffs. Then they go 2-14. and 14. See ya. That plan didn't work. Like, I'm, I'm getting out of this. Uh, Gus Bradley, Dave Caldwell plan initially, I think was around a four-year plan. Let's knock on the door. You know, and maybe in year five win, win, win big. Uh, you know, by year four, they were 3-13. and 13. Goodbye, Gus Bradley. By 2017, which is year five, they actually almost did win big, which was interesting. But I don't think that was the plan on how it was supposed to go. It was like make the playoffs potentially in year three or four, and then you know maybe make a big run after that the following year. I don't think it was okay. Let's not make the playoffs at all, and then boom, almost go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 
but but that was a little bit more according to plan. Probably took a little longer than than it should have, and all those things. I I don't know what the plan was necessarily with Tom Coughlin, other than he came in and said we want to win lunch, and he did. He won lunch, and he won that year in '17. And then obviously the Marone Caldwell plan of whatever was presented, whatever they tried this year, didn't work because one in fifteen certainly wasn't in the cards. That wasn't a plan. So I agree with you. I think you probably want to say, you know, you got to first of all think that this is less of an interview, right? They know what Urban Meyer's about. They've done their work on Urban Meyer. We know what Urban Meyer's about. We know he's an offensive guy, a culture builder. Um, he's going to do all these things. But I would say the how, right? Remember how earlier in the week you asked the why? Well, I think Shad Khan, Tony Khan, whoever else is interviewing Urban Meyer or sitting down with him, what's, it's the why. Like how, how and why. Why do you want to do this? What, what, how are you going to do this? And maybe even a little bit of what. What do you need to do this? Because I believe Shad Khan will give Urban Meyer or whoever the next coach is everything they need to be successful. I think that's part of the attractive nature of this job. So uh, it, it, it really is interesting, I think, the dynamic of today's meeting with Urban Meyer versus maybe a little bit more of a getting to know you and getting to know your plan, getting to know your philosophies of Eric Bieniemy, maybe even Raheem Morris yesterday and Robert Sala tomorrow. Yeah, and, and and this is the thing, too, right? Because I'm not sure how much Shad Khan has educated himself these past couple of years of the game of football. One would think that if you own a team, you, you know a, a good deal about the game of football, and I'm sure the people that are taking part in that meeting, they know as well. But like Shad Khan has said, I mean, this is going to be his decision. He's going to have the final say this year, and that's great. That's great that the owner has the fingerprint on it. I think from a fact of, like, listen, all the football stuff is super important to obviously winning games, X's and O's, um, the scheme, maybe you talk about the coaches, whatever the case may be. But I think if I'm Shad Khan, what I'm looking at is is just it's it's the mindset and it's more of, of the business side of it. Right. Like, what are some of your work habits? Um, what is your communication like? Things like that um, that are big in building a culture for sure. But they're also big in business, which I think Shad Khan can relate to more than anybody. So while I do think this is definitely it's going to be a football type of interview where you're going to ask, hey, how do you plan on fixing this whole thing? Also, tell me about the way that you work. What are you all about? What are your morals and things like that? So that leads me into this part of the conversation. And earlier in the show, I asked you about facilities. And there's a lot of talk around town about Lot J. Well, I think Lot J at this juncture, while we can still debate if you want, we can have those discussions, I think the move to Tuesday's vote, I think it's going to happen. I think it looks like it's going to happen. Now, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that for sure. I just There's a feeling that everybody I talk to um, in the media, not in the media, that the JAG, that, that uh, Lot J is going to get approved. That's the gut. So I move past that because I don't think that's relative to the football team per se. It's relative to Shad Khan, Mark Lamping, and others. But I don't necessarily think it's relative to players, uh, Urban Meyer, or whoever the next head coach is, and, and the like. Well, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If they're going to try to target Leonard Williams next year or, you know, in the off season here, you think Leonard Williams is like, well, what's up with that La J right now? <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, you know what? <laughs> when that boat passes, hit me up. We'll talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah that's a great point. The players don't care. I mean, as bad as that, no, I'm sure there is some sort of caring because you're building up downtown. But let's be honest, it's not a break or make thing for the for the players. Yeah, so we're also we're having this conversation. I'm having a conversation with somebody today, and I, I can't say like he kind of sparked this conversation, but I won't say who. And uh, it, it really got me thinking more about it that. We're talking a lot, Jay. Eventually, we'll talk about a new stadium. But now that you have potentially, again, I want you to, we're not saying it's a done deal, but the Urban Meyer stuff is real. So if I'm Urban Meyer and I'm on the Kismet and meeting with Shad Khan, I've been to Jacksonville before. I've been to TIAA Bank Field before. Mm-hmm. I've been to facilities all across the NFL and college football. And I'm the guy that is a culture builder, and also, if you read the reports, he's going to bring in the nutritionist, you know, the strength guy, the this. It's an A to Z thing with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Well, where in the A to Z is, hey, this facility, like, the stadium's nice, uh, you know, on game day, but, like, our offices, our locker rooms, the ability to do what we need to do and win big, we don't have enough. And a lot, Jay, doesn't solve that. What I'm getting at is why haven't there been conversations about and will there soon be what we have the conversations about at big-time Power 5 programs in college, these standalone football facilities, a la the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, have a gorgeous facility. The Minnesota Vikings, who built a brand-new facility. So those are a couple that I've been to in the last couple years, and they are magnificent, man. So we haven't heard anything about that. But I wonder if you bring a guy like Urban Meyer, and back to our conversation earlier, if you go to Trevor Lawrence, where he comes from the Taj Mahal, or one of the Taj Mahals of college football with Clemson, and Urban Meyer has been at Ohio State and obviously Florida, how much is he going to even push that part of the envelope of, hey, we need this, this, and this in the building, whether it's at the bank or whether it's in another off-site property, could it spark something like that? And I guess I would piggyback because we had this conversation earlier. Like That would even show, like, hey, ShotCon, build a standalone facility for football, and, and if the city is concerned about losing the team someday down the road, why wouldn't you even say, hey, Build that, and that would showcase that you just spent your money on that facility. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, listen, I, I can't necessarily speak from Urban Meyer's perspective about that, about you know how driven he is. But from the player's perspective, I'll be honest, and maybe I'm an outlier here, and maybe not everybody shares my opinion, but I always like the fact that your locker room was your home. Right, because whether you're going to training camp, whether you're going to OTAs, or whether you're going to play the game, like that locker room is your home. I remember when I went to Kansas City, um, you know, in, even in Detroit or Chicago, it was very eerie to me because in Kansas City, obviously, you had training camp at a certain spot, right? And then you had your practices at a certain spot. And then when it was game day, like your locker wasn't necessarily like the practice practice facility locker and it wasn't as nice it was just different it was like your home away from home but it was almost like a home that you kind of see you know eight times a season if you will so i get what you're getting at but from my perspective i always actually enjoyed the jaguar setup because that locker room was your home no matter what the circumstance was yeah it's an interesting take on it um i just wonder if it's and by the way i don't know this like i have no idea uh, i'm just asking and it just got brought up today and, and as I relate it to, uh, again, these two men that 
we feel like could be here. And talking about guys that have done it at the big-time level in college football. And we're, we talked about it earlier in the show, Austin. We think it's silly, but the matter of fact is it's an important part of winning these standalone facilities in college football. Yeah. And that's where these guys are coming from. And now going into, let's be honest, listen, Sean Connery did the locker room. When he first got here, a couple years in, Correct. it's very nice. I oh, mean, it's awesome. Very nice compared to the locker room you were in, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's some hallway stuff that's been done. Uh, there's uh, more locker rooms. They redid another locker room. They redid the visiting locker room. I mean, they've done things. The, the, the weight room. But even six, seven, eight years ago, now it's, I don't say outdated, but certainly could be sure. better. Yeah. And these seriously, these college facilities have better of that kind of stuff than the Jags do, and a lot of NFL teams. I don't think the Jags are alone. You mentioned Oakland earlier. I, I can't oh, imagine Buffalo's very good. I, yeah. I, you know, but there is like I went to that Ravens facility. That Ravens facility is really pretty cool. You know, I mean, it is like I, I've never really thought about it. Even when I was up there, like why don't the Jags have one of these, and will the Jags someday have one of these? Until I was kind of talking about it today, and. I was like, well, that does make sense. Minnesota just built a brand new stadium, but they also built like a new headquarters, like down the road. I think it's in Egan, uh, Minnesota, if I'm saying it right. Okay. And we went to that for a training camp. It is beautiful. Like, I mean, they have like a stadium there uh, where you can play like high school games and other games as well. So I, I just look at, I, I'm thinking all about this lot J and, and potentially a stadium down the road. And I'm thinking Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Town and the Urban District and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Why doesn't Shad Khan just build one of those kind of facilities? And that would be a football thing, by the way. That wouldn't be, I don't think, like a taxpayer thing. I think that would be something like the football team would own. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's land available to do it, could they do it, where to do it, how big did they do it? And and maybe Lot J is a kingpin for that. If, If Lot J gets approved and that starts, well, then that gives maybe the assurance to Shad Khan, like, okay, here we go. Yeah, game on. Yeah, I right? mean, game on. Yeah, it definitely could be the, the domino that makes everything fall into place. Or you actually, you brought up a different point that I, I want to address real quick here, and, and I definitely agree with you on it. When you're talking about Urban Meyer possibly coming in here and being the coach of the Jaguars, I think we're both on the same page when we say he's going to bring all his own people, right? Like, there's not going to be too many spots that are safe right now in that stadium in terms of, from a from a coaching standpoint, and maybe even like a like an athletic tra- athletic trainers maybe are different, but you know, like like I, I was thinking Milo, like I think Milo, and I'm biased obviously, but you know Milo, uh, was we call him, his name's you know Tom Mazinski, but we call him Milo, um, one of the best strength coaches. In my opinion, the entire NFL. Now, once again, I'm biased. Say what you want, but like one could assume, well, maybe Urban Meyer's already got his guy picked out, and he's not going to retain Milo. The point that I'm trying to make, though, here, Brent, is Urban Meyer's going to have a lot of power, and he's going to have a lot of say. And do you think he's going to be making a mistake if he brings all of his people and doesn't choose to retain anybody? Um, in terms of a coaching standpoint or a scouting or whatever the case may be, but he is he going to make a mistake by not retaining a bunch of those people that have been here in the past as kind of like we talk about bridge guys, right? We talk yeah. about bridge guys in the locker room. Well, do you kind of need some of those bridge guys in terms of other places in that stadium? Well, it's a great question, and it's a sensitive topic to me, I believe, because I know a lot of people in that building, yeah. and like a lot of the people in that building, as do you. As do I, yeah. And so, but I think the reality, if I'm just being as upfront as I can, I think the reality is, from the nutritionist, to the secretary, to the video guys, to the trainers, to, uh, again, I mean, 
anyone. If Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jaguars, I think in part, again, going back to what could be transpiring today, those kind of conversations are taking place. Mm -hmm. That also doesn't mean that Keenan McCardell doesn't stay on their staff because he's a big fan of him and he thinks he's a very good coach, right? That also doesn't mean, you know, said video guy is not very good at his job and and maybe even has connections to Urban some way or, or whatever. You know, so that doesn't mean everybody's gone. But a flush of the the belly of the beast, if you will, uh, in a move like this could certainly take place. And I think there's two times I've seen that so far, uh, one a little bit more than the other. When Wayne Weaver sold the team to ShotCon, I think there was clearly an exodus of Wayne Weaver folks. Correct. Okay? Yes. Uh, that doesn't mean everybody was gone. And, and that's that's not true because everybody... It wasn't everybody gone. It was a, a decent amount of people gone, though, uh, from sales staff to others. And I think the other time we saw a little bit of that, although I don't remember if people like lost their jobs and they just replaced. They may have just added, and that's a little bit more when Coughlin came in. Uh, but I, I can't even recall, so it definitely wasn't as drastic as when Shad bought the team. But I think we're talking about that kind of thing with Urban. Like, again, I, I have no other way to eloquently say it other than A to Z. He is but, not going, like, when he wants to run a program, I think that's what we're talking about. Eric Bieniemy comes in, I don't think he does all that. But now, ben, he might, yeah. but I don't think he does. But, Urban Meyer comes in, I think he looks every little crack in the building. But the question remains the same, though. Do you do, you, do, you do yourself a disservice and the team a disservice if you go about that, that way, where you get rid of everybody? Well, I, I think you got to trust him to keep the people that he thinks are good, and, and that would work, and... And I don't know if you do a team a disservice, Austin, in a franchise that's lost 11 out of 12 years and, quite frankly, has been a mess. All right. Um, and, and I'm sure you lose, you might over, uh, overlook something and, and lose a key person here or there that might have been a good fit. You just didn't realize it. I just think that's part of it. You know, I, I think, uh, and, and again, that doesn't mean everybody's going to lose their jobs, but I do think every rug gets looked under you know yeah. looking under what, what did he say right yeah look under the hood well urban meyer comes in here he's looking under the hood no doubt about it uh and and that's what's fascinating to me is i think this meeting today is more about what hey shot i would need this i need this if i'm gonna do this i need this and i guess at the end of the day if he's that interested and and that's what he says and he wants to do it will shot Khan say okay i'll make it happen mm-hmm. you know uh, that's a fascinating part of this discussion uh, here on a Friday in Jacksonville. Uh, still got a half hour to go in the week. It's been a fun week. We'll finish up with more NFL talk, more Jags talk on the way. ESPN 690. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brent Martineau. So twice. it's not once, stuck in there. <laughs> once, uh, one, no, it's not stuck <laughs> in there. Not. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's really tough, you know, and it's still, again, it goes back to um, winning the games that you're supposed to win, and, and you, you're not putting yourself in this position. Granted, you know, we still had opportunity today to uh, put ourselves in uh, the playoffs. Me personally, you know, obviously what happened today, not being able to play for majority of the game sucks. It is what it is. But again, you know, I feel like I know we're a playoff team. I know, I know what we're capable of, but, you know, again, that's just uh, something that we – you know, kept kept holding us back all year it was you know us hurting ourselves and um, it, you know, it, it came back to bite us for sure. That has got to be 
Is that Kyler Murray talking about Kyle my fantasy Moore. football That's team? That's Kyler Murray, yeah. yep. Talking about my fantasy football team? Really the uh, disappointment of the 2020 season, quite <laughs> frankly. I mean, I don't, hey, I got nothing to say about him. He's, he's, he's dead news to me, Brent. I mean, I bought a Kyler Murray shirt in 2020. Nobody told you to do that. Like, that was on it. you. You burnt in. <laughs> Did you actually? No. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll definitely wouldn't surprise I was going to say, though. I definitely didn't see any video of that. It, it definitely no, wouldn't surprise me. But I bought it. The funny story here is I bought it off uh, Fanatics, you know, and we're doing the Halloween thing. Yeah. And so I get like three emails a week now from Fanatics wanting me to buy Arizona Cardinals stuff. <laughs> that, that can be a little annoying for sure. Yeah, I'm like, I'm over this. Listen, I don't even like the guy. Listen, well, I, mean, I don't know if I don't like. Him. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, well, let's be honest. You despise him because of me. Like, I turned you off to Kyler Murray. Oh, you did. I mean, the poor guy. I mean, the, I could stand him. The nation fell in love with him, Brent. Like he was, was like the best kept secret in football for a while. And then all of a sudden, everyone was on board, and you couldn't come on board because of the way I was perceiving my fandom it, for him. It's true. I mean, well, I couldn't. Well, well, guess what, man? I, I got great news for you. Like, I have officially got off the bandwagon. I was driving the thing, right? Because no one was talking about Kyler Murray. Like, I was talking about Kyler Murray. But listen, I put the car in park. I've walked out. You got a full tank of gas. You got brand new tires. Just got an oil change. If you want to get on it, get on it, man. It's all yours. I'm, I'm giving it to you, Brent. If you want to take it over, go and take it over. I'm washing my hands of it, and I'm going down the road. I'm walking, and I'm finding the next bandwagon to get on. Well, I've already driven it to the uh, southern rim of the Grand Canyon, put it in neutral, <laughs> and pushed it over the edge. <laughs> Hopefully everybody got off that bandwagon then, Brett. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. Anybody riding in the back, we apologize. Anyway, we'll meet you down there with the mules. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Who will be the hot guy next year? That's a, you know, who will be your... Oh, I have some. I already have some. You already have some. You already yeah. doing your homework. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, and, and I can't, I can't diverge information. How? What is the over under right now on next year for the fantasy draft? Brent takes Trevor Lawrence number one. Well, you know, Brent's going to probably make a mistake and not be able to sign into his account. So it's going to be auto-drafted. <laughs> so I'm sure he's probably going to get like... Year. No, you did it. You got it. Um, I mean, I feel like to be on brand, I feel like he's got to take him with overall pick, right? But we'll see. It, it yeah. depends if he cares about winning or just his brand. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I wonder who the hot shot... Like, is there a hot shot second year guy oh, out there? Who was drafted yeah, this yeah. year? Oh, hey, Burrow. Hey, oh, Burrow could I already, be that guy. I, Brent, and, and listen, maybe if I was... like. Obviously, the, the the good person in me would be like, I'm going to put out my, you know, preseason rankings for next year on ESPN690.com, right? But with my information and the way I do things and seeing how I'm pretty much 99% always right, unless I'm with the athletic and we're, we have a paywall behind this thing, <laughs> no one's getting any of my information until the day that I draft. Coos, bonus coverage on the, uh, on the podcast. There you go. Uh, ah, Austin's yeah. top 30. Better, better and what we have to do is we have to promise no one from, like, like Austin will go record it in a secluded room. He'll give me the audio. <laughs> I won't listen to it. We'll upload it. So nobody here on the podcast or in the show or will be involved with ESPN will know your picks. I just can't wait till Mike Clay comes back on the show. Because I'm not sure if you remember how that conversation went down. But I asked him, like, do you take guys like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, maybe number two, number three like, in the third round? And he's like... Well, maybe Kyler Murray. I'm not sure about Josh Allen. Well, Mike Clay, how'd Josh Allen do this year? So I can't wait to play that audio back when we have him on next year.
<laughs> yeah, sure. Hopefully he's not listening or he won't come back on. Oh, he's coming back on. Uh, yeah. he, <laughs> that's part of his job. It's ESPN. He has no choice. We'll get him back on. Uh, do the Cleveland Browns need to practice? Is it a big deal, one, that they don't have their coach, and two, that the Browns' first practice of the week just took place today? <laughs> To me, that is a big deal. Is it? You know, I mean, I mean, listen, we talk about this all the time, Brent. We're creatures of habit, right? And all of a sudden, you're leaving guys to be left of their own devices for a couple of days, especially with the biggest game uh, maybe in the past 30 years, it seems like. that That is a big deal. So, yeah, I'd be worried right now if I'm a, if I'm a Browns fan. Yeah, I here's my thought on that, and it's got a little bit kind of a tie-in to, like, the spring stuff, and I know it's a totally different animal. But I would think, uh, I think this time of year, Practice is kind of more like walkthrough anyway, and I'm not saying there's no value in a walkthrough from schematic standpoint and kind of seeing it on a field. Yeah. And, and so I think that part is a little bit uh, – I think that has some value, has some importance to it. But I do believe over the last couple of days they've installed some of that or looked at that on a, you know, on their virtual stuff, and now they doing that today rather than Wednesday – let's say, is not that big a deal. Uh, point being, this time of year, I don't think you're popping pads. I don't no, think you're going crazy. These are all, this is like the, the taper down portion of the season. And any sport, like, one of the greatest things I, I'll always remember about uh, making the postseason our senior year of, of baseball was that like we did like nothing. Like, school was over, and it wasn't like these practices where you went through situations and all that stuff, oh, you, you warmed up for a little bit, you got some BP in, you took some fly balls or ground balls, you got out of there. Like, that was it. Yeah. Like, it was like you didn't even really, like, practice, you know? Um, so I, I think that's probably the stage they're in in the NFL. So I think the idea that they didn't practice until today on the field might be a little bit overdramatic in terms of impacting the game Sunday. No, listen, like in terms of the physicality, you're absolutely right. Usually, at least back when I played, it was like week 11, maybe, maybe week 10, where all of a sudden the pads come off, right? And now you ease up on the reins on the physicality part. The only part that I'm trying to make a point here is the fact that, yes, you have all the game film, you have the coach's notes, and, you know, that's all done by, you know, tablet now, whatever they call them, those Microsoft offices. I think that's still the thing. But there's still something to be said for being a team, watching film together, kind of getting a game plan together as a team, then obviously going through those walkthroughs. Like, to me, it's a lot more mental now than it is physical. Like, the, the physicality part has already taken place. Yeah. And, and that was with training camp and the regular season. Like, you, you're not going to get more physical now in this week. So I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about the mental errors, possibly, and making sure everyone's going to be on the same page in the game plan. And that's fair enough. And, and I think a lot of that is, because too, I mean, you, again, you're just trying to get your body right this time of year. I mean, so the off time in, in that sense probably is okay. What about Kevin Stefanski not being there? I, I think it, I think it stinks for him, first of all. I think it stinks for the Browns that they're yeah, going to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of decades, and they've got all this that they have to deal with. But you know what? That's welcome to our world this year, you know? I mean, it's just the way things have gone. Like, I don't feel that bad for him. I, I, I think it's a bummer that that's the case. But, again, I'm trying to see things that actually impact the football game. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, in my opinion, could lose the game uh, against Pittsburgh with Stefanski there. They could lose it without Stefanski there. I, I will put a little more credence to him not being there. After what I watched with Clemson against Ohio State last Friday night, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal that Tony Elliott wasn't there. Sure. I actually think it made a bit of a difference. Like, I do. I, I don't know different. that. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't think their offensive 
plan, their calls, their whatever adjustments were very good. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you saw, like I saw Dan Orlowski tweet today, he's like, that, was, that offensive game was a mess for Clemson. Well, don't you have to lean back on Tony Elliott a little bit with the offensive coordinator not being there to call it? I mean, I don't know how you don't look back on that. Well, Stefanski's that guy for Cleveland. And so, uh, listen, I think everybody could call a run play, <laughs> you know, and hand off to <laughs> Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But yeah. I, I do think there might be something there with Stefanski not being there. It's not just a symbol in, in this sense. No, without a doubt. Like if this was more of a defensive-minded coach, maybe you wouldn't feel as bad because, you know, you kind of take what the offense gives you and you kind of had your, your calls all day and the playbook is shorter. On the offensive side of the ball with Stefanski, you know, naming those plays, yeah, you're, you're definitely going to miss that a lot. And, yes, the play calling and the offense and all that stuff is one thing, but also, like I just said, uh, and I'm kind of repeating myself here, but these players are creatures of habit, right? And even, like, the night before a game when you're, you know, you're having, like, your last little rah-rah-rah session, I mean, Stefanski always, I'm sure, breaks them down, as any head coach does. Now, he's going to be gone, so it's going to feel different. It's not going to be the same that it's been the entire season that got you to the point where you're playing Pittsburgh in the playoffs. It's going to feel different. And once again, you had to ask yourself, is that going to have a little mental effect on the Cleveland Browns? If they could lock him in a room, Right. And with NFL security nearby to know that nothing's going on, no cheating, no anything else. Do you think he should be able to call the game? I honestly do. I mean, the, the only stipulation, obviously, is the fact, well, can he cheat because he's watching like the, you know, the game? No, yeah. like, if you lock him in a room with officials, then why not? Like, the, 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 there's no advantage by doing that. It's a definitely a disadvantage, but it's still it's still going to help, I feel like, that team. So I would be all for it. In a year where nothing makes sense, why wouldn't you try to cater to have the head coach of a football team in the NFL help out his team? Yeah, I think I think Mina Kimes brought it up. I thought it was a good point. You know, uh, There's not a lot that I would say, yeah, that's, why would you do that? Now, mm. here's what's interesting. <laughs> if the New England Patriots were in the situation, we would all scratch our heads. <laughs> we would be like, well, I don't know about that. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Well, Brent, when you when you find yourself in uh, in Cincinnati recording the sidelines, and why are you recording the Cincinnati Bengals? I have no idea, but yeah, it raises some red flags. I get that. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, Stefanski can have contact with the team all the way up until kickoff. But after that, that's it. And, and I said this, I tweeted this earlier in the week. I was like, Cleveland, the the Browns, their ClevelandBrowns.com, whatever it is, their their TV outlets. Man, somebody should have a camera on Stefanski in his living room. You know, I mean. <laughs> That would be awesome, especially the if they Stefanski win. Cam? Oh, they, they should do that. during the game? Yeah. I, I hope something comes out like that. Uh, again, you can control the content if you're the Browns there. If it's, if he's, you know, swearing and stuff, then you just don't use it. But <laughs> I, I would do it just because I'd want to see his reaction if they win. Yeah. You know, more than anything else. Hey, l- l- let me ask you this. Like, is there any possible that he could actually, like, sneak into the game? <laughs> no, like, I'm saying, like, in the stands. He does a little not, Bobby Valentine? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying coaching, but, you know, a little, little, little Kevin Stefanski mustache there and get right in. That would be good, other than the fact that he's got COVID-19, so it probably yeah, wouldn't be good. That's a good point, it's a good uh, point. When we come back, I thought about Tommy Lasorda and uh, Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan. Ohio State fans with a standing ovation. <laughs> we'll have the story next on ESPN 690. still the same bouncing up every year. I think they're nameless great faces. Um, yes, they have a couple good players on, on their team, but at the end of the day, like, we, I, I don't know, like, it's, it's the Browns, it's the Browns. Um, 
and that's just like one of those teams that you know ASU North football and they're a good team but um, I'm just happy we're playing them again you know this Sunday sounds like uh, Juju Smith Schuster is excited about playing the Browns rather than playing the Bills the Chiefs the Titans the Ravens <laughs> I would probably be too I mean yeah. if you could pick your poison right um, but I think the Browns are worthy opponent here. Look out. I, I do not think that's an easy win for Pittsburgh at all, and it depends what Pittsburgh team shows up. Pro Football Focus just tweeted this out within the last 20 minutes. It's not hard-hitting. $1 million on the line if you can tackle Lamar Jackson or Derrick Henry. Who are you picking? Say it one more time. A $1 million on the line yep. to tackle Lamar Jackson or Derrick Henry. Who are you picking to take your chance? I at feel like I feel like this isn't fair for Austin because he played the game. Both at the same time. No, um, I mean if it's up to me, I'm taking Derrick Henry all day because Lamar Jackson's faster than me, and so yeah. is Derrick Henry. But uh, uh, like, but you have to be more specific. Is it he's, he's coming to my gap? He's coming to my assignment? And I, I got to meet somebody in the hole? Or what are we talking about well, here? They weren't very specific. Well, uh, I, I, I need specifics, Brent. I, I played the game. I don't know. I mean, they're lined up in a formation, and it's second and eight. And how, okay, how about we do this? Like the Oklahoma drill, right? Where, um, you know, there's like there's parameters you can't run outside, and it's somebody one on one. I'm taking Lamar Jackson. Then, like, listen, I understand he's twitchy, and Drew Brees broke my ankles one time out of a boot formation. So I understand that I'm not the most athletic sometimes when it comes to quarterbacks. But if that's the case, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. If it's a regular football play, give me Derrick Henry. Do you think I could actually, like, I think I could tackle Lamar Jackson. I got the feeling I could, like, how, if, if how, I caught him, right? Well, but, hey. like, well, no, I'm just saying I could physically bring him down. I, yeah, I seriously I wonder, could I physically bring down Derrick Henry? I don't I don't think I could. All right. You so, know what I'm saying? No, hey, let's, let's talk about parameters here. Let's set it up. Lamar Jackson's in a bar, okay? And me and you are hanging out. We're playing darts, having a couple basic beverages happening, having a good time. I go to you, I go, Brent Martineau, I will buy you a brand-new backyard fireplace with a saltwater pool in the back Ooh. if you're able to tackle Lamar Jackson without him even knowing it at the bar. Now, don't worry about the repercussions and the punches that are probably going to happen after this. I'm just saying in that moment, I like your chance because I think you got the aggressiveness. You're a four. I mean, you're still an athlete. You play golf. <laughs> but I uh, but um Miss Pac uh, But I think overall that I like my chance with you if he didn't see it coming. But like to say you're gonna catch up to him, Brent, let's not be crazy now. No, like I, I I'm not saying I'm just saying physically, like to your point, if we're in a room right here, like in my room. Yeah. And he couldn't get out. Yeah. Like I don't think uh, I like I don't I don't that think creepy. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just trying to give you a, a – well, that might be a creepy um, visualization. But uh, I'm saying I think I could actually, like, form tackle Lamar Jackson. I don't know if I could budge Derrick Henry. Yeah. Like, can, I, 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 like, he'd probably just continually stiff arm me into the wall. Yeah. I, I mean, with, uh, listen, I, you see what he did to Leon Jacobs. And you see what Leon Jacobs looks like. Yeah, and no, I, no disrespect to you, but it's not like you. Yeah, no, I, I seriously have doubts. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I, I really think I have Hang doubts. On. Like, I could physically tackle Derrick Henry. I, I I, think I could physically tackle Lamar Jackson. Listen, I appreciate that you're a realist when it comes to Derrick Henry. I got, I got to go the tail of the tape real quick. I got to see how much Lamar Jackson weighs and how tall he is real quick because that's going to say a lot. So he's 6'2", 212 pounds. How, yeah, about, how much like, you weighing? I'm like 204 right now, feeling a little chubby. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's not a big deal. How tall are you again? 
I don't mind it, Brent. All right, but I'm going to need you to go out the way. I can bring Lamar Jackson down. I can take him down. But do you have the proper technique to do that? I will make it happen for a million dollars. All right. All right. But I don't think I can with Derrick Henry. No, Brent, there's no think. You can't. I'm I'm sorry to tell you, I hate to burst your bubble. You probably can't do that with Derrick Henry. Lamar Jackson, I would give you, realistically, I'd give you a a 50% chance. I'm more than 50 no doubt. I mean, he still can shake you. Yeah, he can still stiff off. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he gets, an athlete. He'll get tired Brent. sooner or later. <laughs> oh, I and mean, then you won't? I mean, I'll just watch him. Uh, but, uh, tell you what, you better start coming to my MMA gym. We'll get you ready real quick. Uh, yeah, see, I'm, I'm going with that route. I'm going to dance around. I'm going to watch him dance around the ring and rant, or, or the cage or whatever and then tire him out. Okay. Tire him out. Okay. Uh, hey, John, Jim Harbaugh back in Michigan. Big deal. Uh, I mean, it is for, yeah, like you said, Ohio State. Like, listen, I don't understand. Like, I don't know. No one's beating Ohio State right now in the Big Ten. I get that. But for that money, it's questionable. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Lasorda uh, dies at the age of 93. Really one of the great characters in, in baseball. I know mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts with him. Uh, what a life, 93 years old. Um, but uh, uh, sad news out of baseball today. And uh, hey, one other thing on Derrick Henry. Well, people, st- every time I say he's a Jacksonville guy, can you tell me he's not from Jacksonville again? I'm going to block you Ooh. on Twitter. Because where is he from? He's from Yulee. We've, he's ours, okay? Yeah. He's a Jacksonville guy. Fair enough. Stop with that. <laughs> Brent, who, who's hurting you out there, man? You mean do something? Uh, hey, hey, by the way, how do you feel that you've become kind of a meme now on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, hey, I got one question to send you in the weekend. Give me, me one thing. That. We'll see you on TV tonight, by the way, CBS 47, Fox 30. Who's Dilla? (laughs) That's the one thing. (laughs) Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.